at the right time, he will bring everything under the authority of Jesus Christ at the right time. Not now. At the right time. Advent means coming. It means arrival. And so every year we sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Has anyone wondered what kind of Jesus we expect? Has anyone wondered how it was in the first century a group of people, the Israelites, could be waiting for someone for 2,000 years, and then when he gets here, you don't recognize him. He comes unto his own, and his own receive him not. How is this possible when they've been waiting expectantly for 2,000 years? Well, it all depends on what they're waiting for. Turns out they had in their mind an image of a superhero. They had someone who would come from the outside who was big, fast, strong, smart, loud, and popular. And what they got was someone who was small, slow, weak, foolish, quiet, and born 10 miles outside of Jerusalem in Bethlehem, population 500. No wonder they missed him. They're looking for one thing and something else came. My wife tells me, and so I know it's true, that you can look right at something and not see it if it doesn't look like what you expect. A couple days ago, she said, it's downstairs in the white cabinet. I went downstairs. It was not there, I swear. Before I could challenge her, she was past me, came up with the thing in her hand. I said, where'd you find it? She said, in the white cabinet. I swear she hides stuff in the floor, in the wall, and then sticks it in the cabinet so she can say she found it there. Or, as is more likely, it did not look like what I expected when I opened the door, so I looked right at it, and I didn't see it. If you're expecting big and it's small, fast and it's slow, strong but it's weak, Smart, clever, but it's foolish. Loud, but it's quiet. Center of attention, but it's 10 miles out of town. You might miss it. What if the kingdom of God is coming today the way that it came? Only worse still, expecting it to come big, fast, strong, smart, loud, and just sit in the center and do anything it wants. What if the church, us, are already inside of the kingdom of God, but you don't recognize it because you're looking for something else? What struck me this year as I was reading the story again was the speed of it. It is insufferably slow. <laughs> if I have the story right, Mary was minding her own business one day, not looking for this, when an angel showed up and said, Greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. said that she was going to conceive and have a son. They would name him Jesus. He would be a king. 
and his kingdom would never end. She has lots of questions, but she somehow condenses them to one. She says, how can this be when I am a virgin? And the angel says, well, the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the one born will be called the Son of God. Mary thinks to herself, thank you. That answers almost nothing. (laughs) We have no precedence for this, do we? Now, most of us think that from this moment she ran off and she just like burst into this Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Like she having a Pentecostal meeting right there. But what really happened was the song came later. She actually starts to ponder these things in her mind, wouldn't you? How does one give birth to the eternal one? How does one carry the one who created you? How do you raise and discipline the Almighty? How do you teach the omniscient to read? There are lots of questions whirling around in Mary's mind, and I think what more likely happens is she starts to ponder, and over time that pondering starts to harden. Maybe it turns into doubt because what the Bible says is the angel said nothing is impossible with God, and when he said it, she said, then let it be to me as you have said. And right after that, the angel left her. That's what it says, five words. Then the angel left her. Now she's in a room all by herself with nothing but a promise. And what is stretched out in front of her is a long period of waiting. This is going to take a while. So she runs off to Elizabeth's house, and the moment she enters the door, she shouts out the greeting. Elizabeth said, blessed is the mother of my Lord, and blessed is the one that you will give birth to. For the moment I heard your voice, the baby that was in my womb leaped for joy. Sometimes I wonder if we get promises from God, and then the angel leaves us. And nothing happens, nothing visible anyway, and we start to doubt it. I wonder if we start to pull back. And sometimes it's nice to have an Elizabeth come along and ratify what you heard in that room back there. Because it's starting to get old and nothing is changing so far. It's just good to have somebody come alongside and co-sign what God said he would do. Now, Mary goes into her song. Now she's ready to sing. But just before she does, Elizabeth says her last words to Mary. Wait for it. Blessed is the one who still believes that what the Lord has said will happen. That is hard. Because as soon as she leaves Elizabeth's house and goes back to her village, in her fourth month, she's starting to show. Now the rumors are whirling through the village. 
Blessed is the one who still believes that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. She goes into a period of waiting, nine months gestation for this child to be born. Paula Gooder writes, when you're pregnant, there really is nothing you can do but wait and hope against hope that your waiting doesn't end prematurely. For it is in that period of waiting that the thing you're waiting for is actually formed. The last thing you want is for that to get here too soon. When the child is finally born, she wraps him in cloth and lies him in a manger. Eight days later, she takes him from the manger into the temple where he is dedicated. When they're in the temple, Simeon, an old priest, is wandering through the courts, looks over and sees her coming in. And when he sees her, he just walks over. This is not a formality. He just takes the child up in his arms. This seems sort of abrupt to me because here we have like ceremonies. He's, he just does what he wants. He just grabs the child and he lifts it up in his arms and he says, Lord, now dismiss thy servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. And something in Mary's heart must have jumped for a moment and thought the promise has finally arrived. And then as he hands her back, he says these unsettling words this child will cause the rising and falling of many. He will reveal the hearts of people. <laughs> you know how people like it when you reveal their hearts. <laughs> then he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Happy dedication. Now you don't know if the promise is here or if it's still coming. That's on the eighth day. When she takes the child home and starts to raise it, wait for it. It'll take two to three months before it can sit there with its head straight up. First two months while she holds it, it'll flop. This promise. It'll take four months before it can laugh. Six months before it can sit up or roll over. Seven months before it can play peekaboo. Twelve months before it can babble. Sixteen to eighteen months before it can walk. 24 months before this promise can even scribble something in four to five years before it can read. You say, what's your point? Babies take time. God does not appear to be in any hurry whatsoever. He is not like a revolutionary who feels compelled to hurry something. He never has to use force, and he never has to use power. You don't want to play, he'll just outweigh you. But here's the upside. 
as long as it takes him to change anything, what he changes stays changed. It's permanent. It never goes back again. And because he takes so blasted long to do everything, he never creates other victims like we do when we force justice. He slowly and carefully bends the river that history flows in. That is his way. And if you want someone who is fast and swift and decisive and powerful, then you want another king and you'll get another kingdom. This morning, I think some of us are, are called into that long waiting period that Mary is in. And I think we're learning that the way God does things is not always swift and powerful. Sometimes it is slow and gradual. It's unfinished, unpredictable. It's unpopular. It's often resisted, often frustrated. There are many setbacks, and it is hard to believe that what the Lord has said will be accomplished when it takes so blasted long. But I think this is the posture of Advent. I think the best virtue in Advent may not be joy, it may be patience. The capacity to stay in the promise for a long time, even though you don't see much return. Has God ever made a promise to you? Has he ever told you something would happen? I don't mean he lifted it right off the page. You're reading the Bible one day and there it was. Yeah, I know it was written in the Bible. It was written for everyone, but not that day. That day it was like it just flew off the page and you heard a voice and said, hang on to that because I'm going to make that happen in your life. Has God told you that you would find that job, that you would get that promotion? Has he told you that you would one day get accepted and you still haven't? Has he promised you a family or that the one that you had would turn and go in a better way and it still hasn't happened? You are in that period where Mary was, I think. It's a period of holy doubt and this is a good thing. Holy doubt is simply faith looking for a reason to believe. It isn't skepticism, looking for reasons not to believe. It's faith, looking for reasons to believe. Holy doubt has no doubt that God can do something, but sometimes it wonders if I heard him right. It wonders if I've done something to disqualify me. Sometimes I know God can do it. I'm just not sure I'm going to be around when it happens. I'm not sure I'll ever get the joy back again. No question about God. 
I have all kinds of questions about my place in God. I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you been there? The call in Advent is to wait without controlling it. You want to lean in, you want to engage, you want to say, if I want what God wants, then the sooner the better. Not knowing that the thing you're waiting for is still being formed. Last thing you want is for it to get here early, but you don't know it. So you push and you try to control and have conversations and manipulate people to do what you're sure they should do. I was in the South some time ago and I stopped to get gas. They had a mechanic on duty. He had his rates of labor in the window. They went like this, $35 an hour while you wait. $70 an hour if you watch. $150 an hour if you help. Yet that's exactly what we want to do, isn't it? Interfere by bringing our agenda over top of his. And when that doesn't work, then we tend to just disengage. It'll happen or not. But as soon as I stop hoping for it, I can no longer be hurt. I can no longer lose anything. What God is calling you and me to do in this period is to learn how to be frustrated and scared and running for our lives without letting go. It's to learn how to be honest about things without becoming cynical. Do you hear the tension? How to submit to circumstances I cannot control without becoming victim in those circumstances. How to believe in something without forcing it to happen. How to be decisive without deciding too quick. Take a moment and locate that promise. Really, think about it. What has God said to you some time ago? And you believed it while the angel was there. And now he's gone. And there is this interminable period where nothing much is happening. In fact, what is happening often goes in the other direction. Have you started to let go? Are you still trying to force it to make it happen? Os Guinness says, faith's calling is to live in between the times. God has promised and God will act. Christ has come and Christ will come again. We heard the witness. Now we will witness the event. 
However long the waiting, he says, it is only the gap between the lightning and the thunder.